Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Hello, hello. And today we're going to balance out the outsider with an insider. We are joined by Trailblazer beat reporter Casey Holdall. Casey, welcome. Thank you both for having me. Hey, man, it's good to have you. It's, yeah, it's, almost, it's, like I, I, it's almost like I'm seeing you a lot now. Yeah, we, we have been bumping into each other a bit more than usual, actually, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, go Just ahead. A bit. Keep flexing there, guys. <laughs> oh, you were go a fan ahead. You were there. Well, I was just thinking about it because I I guess I for How long has your hair been shaved, Dan? Uh, I just shaved it uh, the night before. So okay, because so when I when I saw you at FanFest with a shaved head, I was like, man, is Dan's head always shaved? And I just didn't realize <laughs> that, or has it been a long time since I've seen him? So, so Tara, that's why it was fresh in my mind, only because when I saw him, it made an impression that I was like, did I did I miss that the last time? The, the giant freshly Dan? shaved. Like, it wasn't dome. that long ago, so no, I uh, I lost that bet. Um, during the season about the Pelicans making the playoffs because I thought AD would finish out the year. I had to shave my head and my fiance was very much against it until that point. And then she liked it and I started to let it grow back out. And she's like, no, you need to keep it shaved. So <laughs> it, it is now to start the season. Now, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's training camp ready now. Yeah. You know, I said I was going to cut my hair before training camp too, because I mean, like I've been balding for a while now. So it's always, <laughs> it's always kind of like a, when do you, when do you just, give up Let the it ghost go. and take it all off or, and when you keep, and so like, I was actually, this, I, I think I even told Freeman, I was like, you, by training camp, I will have cut my hair off. And, uh, my wife and I were having uh, dinner with my parents and, uh, I had mentioned it to my dad who went bald when he was like 16 that I was going to cut my hair. He's like, Oh no, 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 no. He's like, not yet. Not yet. You don't do it yet. <laughs> like to hold out for a little bit longer. And I was like, well, okay. Like, I, I guess if, it, Living vicariously dad, through exactly. your hair, like I, I don't know what it meant to him, but like he, he definitely had a reaction. It was like, oh no, 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 don't, don't do that. So, so I, I'm going to stick it out for a little bit longer. But uh, I mean, it's I, I look myself in the mirror sometimes. But boy, it's a, uh, or actually, really, it's not the mirror. It's more photos. You see, you see yourself in photos, and you're like, oh man, is that is that really what I look like? And ugh, man, it's a uh, that's a gut punch. Sometimes. Well, you can you can let it hang on for a little while because you guys are going to be on the road a lot to start the season. Exactly. Though on the road is where it's the worst, though, because like you just don't have all your, you know, you're, you're jumping from town to town to town. And I mean, me, I take like three showers a day. We're on the road and it's not typically very good, particularly when you're a loser, balding man like myself. It just fall, makes it quicker fall out. So uh, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't know. How about a nice know. new Blazers hat? I mean, you know, there's going to be 50th anniversary merchandise. Well, and I'm hoping I'm hoping it's good because uh, I was having a conversation with some people on the team just the other day, and we were lamenting. And this has been one of my longtime complaints about our apparel is that our our hats just seem like they're they're just a little too busy sometimes. Like there's too much going on. And you know, as a as a nearing forty year old you know white dude who's lived in Oregon for the majority of his life, like I need a I need a pretty toned down look for a for a hat. So uh, we've got some some great merch, but the hats for some reason we just haven't. We haven't hit the right route. The one year they let me buy, I, I was like, we should buy a bunch of these hats because they're nice and people will buy them. And they did. And it worked out. But uh, they had surprised they, they haven't, they haven't come back to you since then. then. Yeah, no, they have not. <laughs> I, I guess people don't like Casey telling them how to do their jobs, which uh, makes perfect. You, you, you got to make it think it's their, that it's their idea. That's what you got to go with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't think anyone wants to have my ideas. That's, that's a bad <laughs> idea. I think you need to go with a hipster beanie. You know, I, I, uh, the, uh, I, I just, 
<laughs> this is lovely stuff. I'm sure the fans at home are loving this. But when I was driving to practice today, uh, the OBB pledge drive is going on. And I guess that as one of the gifts they give you, if you donate, you, you get an OPB beanie. And that led to a discussion of how you wear your beanie, either slouchy or rolled up. And I mean, going back to what I just mentioned about kind of being a middle-aged Oregonian, it like I, I like I had to turn off my radio as soon as like, well, I wear it the slouchy way. And I was like, I'm not I'm not listening to this. I can't do it. it, it it's too cringe. It's too on brand. Like, I, I love the station. I listen all the time. But like I I can't get down with the we're going to talk about how we wear our beanies today. And that whole slouch beanie thing, one, I don't get anyways. And two, like just the notion of people wearing beanies in the summertime is one of those things that I, I would love for someone to do like a study on because I see it all the time and I just don't. I don't understand how people manage that because I I sweat profusely. Danny, you mentioned last night at the last game. Last night I was dying. How, how much you're sweating, and so, like, and I feel like I'm usually that guy, anyways. And when I see someone on the street and it's like 95 degrees out, they're wearing black pants, black shirt, and black beanie. I'm like, how are you just not? How, how have you not died of dehydration? Lie. Yeah. <laughs> if if I could just jump in here and uh, move us on from the OPB beanie talk, <laughs> as fascinating as it was. That's great. I'm there sure that some again. Fan fest. There was some trailblazer action last night. So I don't want to put off talking about that oh, for a back. second longer. Let's please not. Let's get right to it. <laughs> all right. We were all there for fan fest. Uh, first impressions, general impressions of how the event went and how fans received it and how the new players did. Uh, Dan, do you want to start off uh, briefly and then we'll let Casey have the floor? Yeah. Casey, real, real quick, though. Did, did we get an attendance number out of that? Uh, actually, no. What we did, it was seven thousand three hundred and sixty-six. I was say it felt like somewhere around like eight, nine thousand people because the the entire uh, lower bowl was full, and then probably about what like a quarter of the upper bowl. Um, it great turnout. Uh, I got there a little bit early. All the events in, in the uh, in the rose quarter. I mean, it was it was packed, and people were were flying to get in there for the uh, front row seats. Uh, Nurk walking the baseline when he came in, got the whole crowd like, kind of riled up before everything started. Uh, there was a lot of fanfare. And then during the introductions, I mean, Damon, CJ, those guys obviously got the big ovations. Uh, but Hood and uh, and Bazemore really got a lot of love from the crowd. It, it was kind of cool. I, I was kind of wondering what the reaction was going to be still about Hood returning and how do people really feel about Bazemore. And then that, that energy kind of carried on to the scrimmage. And it was a bummer because there's no none of the, the regular big guys were out there, obviously, with yeah. Zach and so on and Powell. Uh, and I think that kind of impacted the game. It kind of turned into a uh, inside-out game. Uh, a lot of guys were driving, particularly Bazemore. Um, uh, but I it was nice. super to see, generous yeah. of you to, like, give it any kind of a label of what kind of a game it was. <laughs> I, I mean, without the guys out there that are really going to anchor the paint, um, and this isn't a shot at Moses because he's a large human being, but he's not going to cover the same amount of ground or be the same kind of deterrent to a lot of guys. And and a vet like Bazemore really kind of wanted to put his stamp on the game early. But real quick, Casey, can you explain Bazemore's uh, short preference there? What, what exactly was going on? Because like he had his compression shorts on over the top. He he did. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I noticed that on the court too, but the day before I noticed – that he was he wasn't wearing shorts. He, well, I guess maybe they started off as shorts, but he cut them off. So like he he was wearing in practice cutoffs from <laughs> from sweatpants. I or I guess they might have been shorts that he didn't feel like were short enough, so that he cut off the shorts. But my assumption is when I see something cut off, I assume they they started life as pants and then were turned into shorts. And so when I saw him wearing that at practice the other day, I was like, 
okay, like I, I know they got shorts here. Uh, Eric keeps his place well stocked, so I'm <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why you you need to kind of fashion your own shorts, but fair enough. And then yeah, to see him at at pra- or at uh, Fan Fest wearing yeah, as you mentioned, the compression shorts, and then these shorts, the outer shorts, I guess, hiked up at least a good inch above the compression shorts. I mean, I, I guess that you know, Kent's just one of those guys that. He, he's living that short life. There are the short, short lives. That, he's looking I, forward to that serious. 70s night, right? Exactly. Like, well, the I short mean, shorts would be his. That's big now, though. I mean, like, short yeah. shorts are, are in now. So uh, shout out to, to Kent Bazemore for uh, for keeping his finger on the pulse of what the uh, what the kids are doing these days because that's already the, the look. I mean, I think we've seen, I think, over the past couple years that that the, those short lengths went from, you know, the, the Iverson days where everyone was wearing them basically past your knees to now, like guys wearing them mid thighs. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know exactly. Shout out leg season. What to put on that, but I am definitely going to follow up with Ken at some point in time. They're <laughs> probably sooner rather than later about uh, his uh, his short preferences. Yeah, maybe he's trying to make his mark as a fashion leader, cultural icon. <laughs> I mean, Evan Turner is gone, so it's kind of wide open. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, he's going to fill some of that void too, as far as. Uh, just how he is the person like it just he's just a good dude yeah no he's he's really it, it is it is pleasant to talk to kent Bazemore, you know like and that and that i'm and i'm saying that kind of outside of like he's a good interview or mm-hmm. he, he's he's good at kind of explaining what it is you're asking him. it's just he's just got a nice affect about him that's just pleasant to to be around and you know i don't I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it has some value in a locker room because you'd always rather be around guys you like than guys you don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in in general, as a as a human being, it's like it's just like I said, it, it's pleasant to to talk to Kent Bazemore. He has a very a very kind of soothing way about him. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've enjoyed uh, having Kent around greatly, and uh, and I and I know the team has as well. He's one of the guys too where. When you when you talk to guys, you know, not even just off record, but just kind of, you know, when you're when you're shooting the s, like it's he he's a guy who comes up a lot and is a guy who when when the guys who were on the team last year talk about kind of their their hopes for this year, he's basically always the first name that guys mm-hmm. mention even before Hassan really about like this was something that we didn't have that we needed badly and and now we have it in in a. In Baysmore, and so I, I think that that's something to to really look out for, and the fact that too that I mean it sounds like he's going to come off the bench that that does not seem to be an issue for him, and to have kind of some super subs off the bench, which is something that the Blazers just haven't really had, had in like ten lately. years. So like that that in and of itself is kind of like a hey, like you know you're I, I think we got to the point where you weren't necessarily cringing when the bench came in, but you didn't ever, but it was still like a these guys just need to hold serve and we'll be okay. Now I'm not saying that the Kent Bazemore is going to, you know, bump up Portland's plus minus on the bench. He's not but, Lou Williams, but he, yeah, he's going to exactly. be more effective but, than but the gonna, But he gives the team something like you, you just mentioned, Danny, that like they haven't had in like 10 years. So that's that in and of itself, I think is, is going to be an interesting storyline. And I think that showed out at a little bit at FanFest. There was the possession where he, he wore CJ like a jacket and he ran him all over the floor defensively. And I was like, Okay, he he's staying with him through every screen, the motion offense, the flow, everything, just riding him, riding him, riding him, and then he dives for a loose ball into the bench, throws it off CJ in freaking fan fest, and like the crowd starts going nuts, and I'm like, okay, this guy's gonna endear himself to this team real quick. It's yeah, that I think that was like 30 seconds in the fan fest too. Yeah. Like it was, it was real, it was right at the jump. So yeah, I, I mean that's kind of stuff that 
I mean, I think all fans kind of love seeing and eating up, but I, Blazer fans, I think especially, really, really take to that that notion that if you're going to come out here and and play hard and really kind of leave it out there, that you know we're we're going to support you regardless of what else happens. So I, I think that you know just a little taste of that last night at Fan Fest, and yeah, I mean I, I think that you know Kent is one of the one of the guys who I, I'm most interested in working with and most interested in watching this season for sure. Do you think think some of these guys, especially maybe the new guys, have heard the talk about how, you know, giving up Aminu and Harkless meant that Blazers are just like no longer going to worry about defense anymore? Do you think that maybe some of, you know, that effort is a reaction to that to like, like I'm in front of the fans and right now and I'm going to show the fans exactly what, you know, somebody who quote unquote doesn't really play defense <laughs> looks like? Yeah, you know, I think it, I, I, I know I don't uh, because I don't think that. I mean, I, I know players, a lot of players read their, their clippings, but, but I, to get to the boy, what are the Blazers going to do defensively without Mo and chief? Like he, that's a, I think that's, that's like a level, maybe a level and a half deeper than I think NBA players typically get in terms of like kind of paying attention to what's being said around them. But Tara, to your point, I, I do think that, you know, when you've, when you've played against the Blazers for a couple of years and then you get to Portland and, you know, you get the reaction from from the fans, even when you're on the street. I, I think that that's really kind of more what it, what it has to do with just that notion of like everyone's really excited. I've already gotten so much positive reaction from fans about being here. Like I should really put my best foot forward and and let it be known that I am going to put forth maximum effort. And one, I think I think Kent Bazemore is, is already kind of wired that way anyways. I mean, to to go from being undrafted and working through the G league to get to the NBA. That's, I mean, that's almost how you have to carry yourself. But I, but I do think that, you know, there, there is a desire to please the fans here. And, and I do think that, you know, the Portland has such a good reputation in terms of, of support and, you know, seeing who, how many people show up night in and night out in the building that I, I think that when you, when you end up getting here, I, I, there's just that feeling of like, I want to be a part of this and I don't, I don't want to be the guy who people don't cheer for because these guys cheer for everything. So like, I, I think it really, it, it's, it speaks more Tara to, to how, how much of a good reputation Blazer fans have. And then the team goes out and I think tries to acquire guys that are going to be motivated by that or not so much about by Blazer fans, but motivated by the idea that if I really work hard and, and put in the work and, and spend my time and and do the things that I'm supposed to do that that good things are going to happen. And you know that I think the the team has made a point of trying to go out and get players like that and I think they you know they typically play the way that players like that play. Well, so I want to move on and talk about uh some of the other new players, but before we do that, I have to say there was one thing about FanFest that I was kind of disappointed about and I don't know if you want to like take this to your bosses or whatever. I really thought we were going to have the height reveal last night, and I'm still waiting <laughs> to find out how tall these guys actually are. So when when are we going to hear this? Yeah, you know, I uh, I asked about uh, official heights about a week ago uh, because you know my idea was like, hey, you know, it'd be a fun a fun little story or even a fun little social feature maybe on Instagram to you know be like, this is what the guy was before, this is what he's supposedly at now, you know, just kind of a fun little thing. Uh, and when I asked about it initially, they were like, yeah, sure. We'll, uh, well, I'll look into that and we'll, we'll get back to you. And then I asked about it again today and it was more like, uh, yeah, no, we don't have those. And I was like, well, but they're, they're somewhere, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know where they're at. 
Uh, and I, I kind of got the sense a little bit that maybe there was some reluctance to <laughs> to put them out. I mean, like, obviously, NBA took the measurements. You would assume at some point in time that those are going to end up as their official measurements. But that's not the case yet, because today I checked with an, with an old roster that they had put out before they did new measurements. And it's the same as what is online now. So, Tara, to your question or to your, to your comment, I agree. I would like to know those those uh those official measurements that i think that would i would have actually been a fun uh fan fest feature i didn't really think about it uh but i think that would have been actually kind of a, a neat kind of funny thing to do in arena like a but, gender reveal yeah exactly <laughs> which I, I despised, but I, i'd be interested to find out uh the, yeah uh, actually that's a that's a better way to put it danny that's that's the angle for for that story is uh is height and weight reveals but yeah, Tara. I uh, when I when I track him down eventually, you'll be the first person I contact. But uh, I have I have not yet uh, come across those just yet. We know one thing for sure. We know Ant grew an inch. Ant, yes. Ant made, made sure to let that be known at media day. <laughs> well, and he was he was the guy too. Where so I was uh, I was in the in the back of the of the room during media day, and 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 Ant came in and and was standing next to me. I looked at. I was like, man, you you look big. Actually, I was like, most guys, you know. They come back, they kind of look the same, but he's like, but I was like, you, you look like you put on some actual weight. And he was like, I could tell he was proud. He was like, yeah, thanks. He's like, I, did. <laughs> I was like, good for you, man. Like it, you, he's such a, and, and is such a, he's such a nice young kid too, that like, and I think he, he also, he has kind of this little thing where he, I think he tries to slow play is not the right word, but he, he definitely tries to kind of like, he knows that he's a chill guy. And I think he tries to play into it a little bit. So his reactions sometimes I think are, are kind of purposefully muted. So for him to be like, yeah, I did put on weight. Thank you for, for noticing. I was like, yeah, good for you, Anthony. You're starting to, you're starting to feel yourself a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Well, I uh, got to talk to his mom for the latest edition of the what podcast. And it was so fun to listen to her talk about him. And it's just, it always surprises me how young the youngest players are. Um, you know, cause we see him out there playing with other guys who are older than them. And yeah, just, you know, my kids were still growing when they were 18 and 19 guys are still growing. They're still putting on weight. So we'll see what happens. I wish but- that were the case for me. <laughs> I'm still putting on weight. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I wish I got taller and I didn't keep putting on weight. Well, yeah, the, the growing <laughs> taller does eventually stop, but uh, it does that- some, for some, it can happen in the early twenties when they finally stop, you know? Those Simons, so that's a that's a good family. That's a that's a that's a quality group of people there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's hear about some of your impressions about some of the other newer players. We heard about Baysmore. Um, who else do you want to talk about? You know who actually I was really watching last night at FanFest was Anthony Tolliver. I was really surprised. Like the the picture that they have of him on NBA.com is like he's got these like big eyes and his color like looks a little off and he just looks kind of scary. And I was just like, and then like when you see him in person, he's like bright and cheery and like super vibrant and really charismatic. Like, so have you spent any much time around him? Uh, you know, a little bit, uh, not, a, not a lot of one-on-one time with Anthony just yet, but, but no, I, I agree. Like he, he's a guy who he, he's obviously been in the league for a while, but a, a guy who I think is going to play considerably more than I think people think he's going to, uh, you know, I had even heard, you know, potentially even considering Oliver starting the, this season. And now I'm not, I, I think they're, they're going to go with Collins and, and Whiteside, but I, I think one, he's a guy who, who's got a bit more to give than I think maybe people are assuming, 
two, and yeah, he he is a he is a good locker room guy and a guy who who I think people do gravitate to. I mean, he's he's got a he's got a real kind of earnestness, uh, I guess I would say. Like the the way he talks, I think sometimes is different than the than kind of what you're expecting, I guess, you know, and we were talking to him the other day just about the, about the new shooting system at the uh, practice facility, because he's, he's the, the celebrity quote unquote ambassador for the NOAA shooting system, which is the system that they have in the practice facility now where it tracks the angle and the velocity of, of the shots you're taking. And then, then, you know, puts them in a database and so you can go back and kind of critique your shot. So he, he's involved in that. And he's just, he's a guy who's got a lot of, a lot of, I think, interests both in basketball, but outside of basketball and uh, a guy who, again, I, I haven't got a chance to to kind of really chop it up with just yet, but uh, who I'm looking forward to to really kind of getting to know a bit. And again, a guy who who I think is going to is going to provide maybe a bit more than uh, than people are expecting and a guy, too, that has been around the block quite a bit and is adamant that, you know, this team he's on now is the most talented of a team that he's been on. And, you know, again, whenever you have new players, they want to say the right things. So, you know, it's a lot of times you gotta, again, you gotta, you gotta kind of understand where it's coming from. But for the most part, like I, I've heard that mentioned numerous times. And, and with a guy like, like Tolliver, like I, I take him at his word on it. Have you noticed any, like guys kind of gravitate, starting to gravitate towards each other now that they've been together for a few weeks? Um, are they still, you know, doing things as group? Like what's the, you know, not really the friendship stuff going on. Cause we don't know about that, but just who's hanging out together that, that you can tell, or maybe who's playing together, practicing together. Well, you know, that, that second unit they're they're keeping those guys together as much as they can. And now that, I mean, I, I think one of the issues, what they really haven't been able to play the lineups they would like to play because, you know, with, with Whiteside and Collins and Gasol and obviously Nurkic out, you know, they shouldn't have enough bodies. But, you know, we, we heard the other day that, that the uh, the younger guys and the non-contract rookies were running guys out of the gym, you know, like, like that had one consistently, you know, in those those pickups. And granted, I don't, I don't think Damian was playing. Uh, I don't, CJ might have been sitting out as well because, I mean, they're they're. Well, they're not going to load manage those guys for the practices. You know, they know what it is. But I mean, it's that it, I, I think they're they are trying to keep kind of a first unit and second unit because uh, the the hope is that they will at some point in time not have to to stagger the minutes between Damian and CJ. And you know, I, I think that you know the guys like Gary and Bazemore and Hazonia kind of in that that second unit uh, with. You know, whoever it's going to be, either Tolliver or you know maybe Zach staying over or or what have you. I, I think that that's kind of that's going to be an interesting kind of setup for those guys, and, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out uh, because you know Terry has wanted to have you know maybe not two distinct units, but he's wanted to have those separate out a bit more, and he's just never really had the capability to do it. So uh, so I, I, I'm interested in that. I mean, since you're asking too, like I know the team went to a. They they hopped on a plane, uh, I think, uh, CJ's treat, and headed down to San Francisco tonight for the the Monday night game between the Browns and the 49ers. Uh, so uh, while they're while they're getting in kind of late, they are doing some team building stuff. And uh, I mean, it's a this is a team too where when you have new guys but they're vets, like it's just a. I, I think at some point or or on some level, you don't want to you don't want to necessarily assume that you have to kind of like ingratiate them in your your culture because they're vets. And I, and I think you want to let vets kind of 
get there on their own to, in a certain respect. And when you're younger and you kind of don't know the lay of the land as well in the NBA, I, I think you have to kind of be shown a little bit like this is how we're going to do things. Come on, let, stick with us, and and it will kind of make sense later on. When you've been in the league for a while, though, I think that uh, there, I think sometimes there's a desire to to get to not foist that on guys because you don't want to make it seem like you're like you're you know kind of telling them what to do or, or infantilizing them. I don't say that right, but you know, you don't, you don't want them to feel like they have to necessarily conform, you know, like that they, they do have the ability and, and the, the leeway to kind of decide how, how deep in that kind of team building stuff they want to get. So uh, that's kind of a roundabout answer, I guess, but long story short, Tara, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the usual suspects are kind of sticking them together. And I think the young guys are, are are sticking together and i i think you know the bigs are, are kind of forming up a little bit too i've gotten the sense that that zach and Whiteside have kind of tried to tried to kind of kick it a little bit as well because i think those those two guys are going to be playing alongside each other and i think that uh they like to develop some chemistry in one way or another have you spent much time with Whiteside? very little actually uh again one until we get on the road like you know we don't get to see a whole lot uh at at training camp in terms of practices uh, they let some of the broadcasters in to watch, but uh, Casey does not uh, does not get that uh, concession. So, uh, so basically, for me, until until the games really start, uh, and and again, we're on the road with them, and or even just in the locker room, you know, you don't have as much opportunity as you would probably like to to really just kind of sit down with a guy and and just kind of chop it up a little bit. You know, they 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 are pretty strict in terms of you know you have to ask for a player to talk to a player at practice and. You know, when you're doing it in the scrum, you know, you you just don't have the the same kind of opportunities to just sit down and kind of rap with someone like you had maybe five or six years ago. I mean, and, and it's fine. Like, you know, you it, it works out just fine. But, it, you know, until the actual season gets going, I don't have a whole lot of time to to spend with the players, getting to know them as people. The first like two weeks is basically like just straight up basketball. And once once you got a good sense of that, then that's when I, I can kind of take an opportunity to to maybe get to know these guys a little more on a personal level. It's been like quite a while since there's been this much turnover, right? I mean, I was thinking probably the last time there was this much turnover was when LaMarcus left. I mean, otherwise, it's just been a couple of new guys here, a couple of new guys there. Um, does it does how does it feel in terms of like what's the vibe around the team where like there's all these new people coming in? Is it is it a lot like that time? Or I imagine it's a little bit different because at that time nobody kind of really knew what was going to happen to the team, and now they're more established. Yeah, no, I I think you you hit it right on the head. It, it's when it when everyone leaves, which is kind of well, I mean you know obviously Lamarcus left, and everyone else they decided that they were going to allow them to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean that that does have a different feeling to it. So that's more that was more of kind of like a when when the team got back together after that offseason, it was more kind of a backs against the wall, us against the world kind of mentality. This year I, I really feel like they feel like they replaced everyone who with a better player. So I, I think it's it's more kind of quiet confidence than anything else that hey, like we're we're a pretty good team. And you know, while we had some turnover we also we also kind of knew what what it was with those guys and we we knew maybe not our ceiling but we we knew the the issues that we had with the roster as currently constructed and now the team has gone out and tried to to rectify and and kind of address some of those needs so really i i think it's more about they they're not like looking around like man what what's going to happen you know like and that's the way it was 
after the the team really turned over uh after you know Aldrin signed with with the Spurs it was really like a what how is this going to play out what's what what's what's this mean for all of us whereas this time around it's more hey we're a good team we got we feel like we got better and we need to carry ourselves like a team that that is going to be good Dan I've been not monopolizing this whole thing feel free to jump in <laughs> No no I'm just I'm I'm letting Casey go here this is what we bring him in for i mean he's around these guys and that's what's that's a lot of what i want to know and this is going to sound really corny and benign but like at fan fest last night when they did the rookie singing as funny as that was i was sitting right there filming them and i stopped watching the rookie singing and i'm watching all the vets everybody's high-fiving and laughing and getting together Nobody's really clicking to get like, you know, off the side or anything like that. And there, there was something about it. Like, yeah, everybody's laughing and having fun, but you, you can be in a room with people, even as big a room in an area as, as, as the, the, the Memorial Coliseum, but it's, you can feel something there with those guys. And, and like the, 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 just in this short time that they're kind of bonding together and it, and they're coming together and it makes sense. But you can see on the other side, on the basketball side of things, where especially in the first and the second quarter of the, of the fan fest, like CJ and, and Bays were going at each other. Um, Mario was playing with just a nasty chip on his shoulder. I mean, uh, Gary Trent Jr. got ready to to cock one back, and and Casey, you had video of of Gary absolutely detonating on CJ the other day. So Gary's very capable of finishing at the rim, and Mario wasn't having it. Like th- th- there. There, there's a lot of guys out there that there's the the what appears at least to me a lot of camaraderie. A lot of these guys are getting that building that up and, and they're establishing that foundation. But there's a lot of guys that that carry themselves in a way that they with a little bit of nastiness, with a little bit of an edge. And I think and if you've listened to the podcast for the last few years, I've been complaining about this for probably since I've started doing this with with Dave that that's kind of been lacking and like. The, the the camaraderie's been there. The friendships have been there. All that kind of stuff. We hear, you know, the the elevator video with Dame with his head in his hands and Evan saying you don't treat a former first seed in the West like this. You know, that kind of stuff. And, and there's plenty of other things that are off the record that happened. But there was – I never saw that, that necessarily that same competitiveness outside of a few different guys. And not that guys aren't competitive, but I mean competitive to a point of like just nasty. And I, I, I'm – I'm interested to see. It's, I'm I'm kind of pissed to be honest that Jokic is, is not playing tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> because I really wanted to see him and Hassan go at it. I, I wanted to see how that dynamic was going to play out, both offensively and defensively. Because if you're looking for a matchup that's going to matter this season, how that dynamic plays out, how the Dame pick and roll works on offense, how Portland's defense shapes out with uh dame cj and rodney at the perimeter and zach and, and hassan on the inside like how that was going to play out tomorrow night like that's those are the things that i want to see like because hassan has the ability with, with his size and his length and his athleticism and, and zach to an extent does too to really enforce that competitive that, that that nasty streak for all the people that are worried about how the defense is going to play with you know losing perimeter guys like harkless and, and to an extent aminu um, how that's all going to come together. And 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 I, I know this is kind of a rant and a ramble. It's kind of all over the place. But it's, it's just, just so many things. Like, we've talked about this, Tara, the, in the, on the pod. The, the challenges and opportunities. 
Like there's a lot of questions about this team, but I think they have a lot of potential answers. And I think a lot of it starts with attitude. And for something, there's something about this team, just seeing a few different things. There's something that feels different. And it, I, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of a homer in me finally coming out 10 years later, but something about this team feels a little bit better. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I try to, you know, I, I try to recognize that I have biases and, and try to be cognizant of those biases when I'm when I'm really kind of trying to take an objective view of of what I think the team is going to do in a, in any particular season. And and I would say in general, I would I've probably been a little a little down on the team, at least in terms of kind of like win loss record than than what they've ended up at. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I feel like I've got a I, I'm not so I'm not so much of a honk that like I don't see what this team is and what they aren't. I, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, again, like, I just can't shake the notion that this is a pretty good team. Like, and it, you know, it makes you, you, you read kind of what, what models are saying about the team and you read nationally about, you know, the Blazers kind of being maybe a, a fringe Western team. And, you know, it kind of makes you stop and, and think for a second, like, do I, do I really need to reevaluate what I've seen or, or kind of what, what my expectations are for this team? Cause it really seems like the, people don't seem to like these moves as much as we here in market have, have liked them. And, and I would say in general, the, you know, the, the rest of the trailblazers, local media, I, I wouldn't say a, an especially homerish group of, of guys and, and, and women, I should say. And, you know, and they've all felt really good about those moves too. So, so I, I, I am very interested in this preseason because I particularly on that, on the wing. And as you mentioned, Danny and Whiteside, like just to see how that plays out. Cause I just, I can't shake the feeling that for as much as I like both Mo and Chief, and I, I think you go back and, and look at stuff I've written and said about those guys, I think those guys are better than than people gave them credit for. But I still don't see them being like the, boy, well, they lost those two guys, so now the team, particularly defensively, is going to fall apart. Like, I I just don't see it. I mean, I think I think Nurkic being out is, is a huge issue defensively mm-hmm. because he's, he's, he's phenomenal, particularly, you know, with the way that, that they play that drop defense. And, and I don't, you know, at least from a numbers perspective, I don't think Whiteside is the defensive player that, that Nurkic at least was last he's year. He's the better shot blocker and the better rebounder. Exactly. Overall exactly. defensive stuff. Nurk does so many things that doesn't get put up on the stat book. And I don't, I don't think anybody in, that, that, that truly understands what the Blazers do defensively would come close to arguing. Yeah. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't, he might not look the part, but like Nurk is a really good defensive player. And yeah, I, I, I hope people realize that. Uh, and to kind of to your to your earlier point, I, I completely agree about in terms of of the team needing some some dog, you know, and that's not to say I mean, like CJ is a jerk, you know, like CJ is <laughs> absolutely punk. like that. That's him. Thank so, you like, for they, validating. They have, they have some of that. Like, it, it's the idea that like CJ is this kind of like nice guy because he went to a small school and he's clean cut. And he's he's a media guy. With exactly. Like this idea that like. CJ is kind of, you know, like a, you know, some kind of pencil neck geek or something like that. It's like, no, CJ is, CJ is a, he, he's mean, like he's from Canton, you know, like he, he's got that, that, that Canton vibe to him. But I think having a guy like Hazonia, I mean, and Damien's the same way, but it's not the, it's not not, exactly. And it's, and it's not a a thing where it's, I'm not saying that Mario is going to be challenging teammates, but just the. There's that certain edge that I, I think that you see in a teammate sometimes where maybe you don't want to 
you realize that someone's going to piss him off and maybe not that you try to do you don't try to do something because you don't want to piss a guy off. But just the idea that it's like just having that that little bit of strife and that little bit of of conflict, I think, sometimes breeds a product that that is official. Exactly. Like and it and it keeps you sharp, too. And especially I think you have some of that with this team in terms of you have guys that are on one year contracts. You have guys that are in contract years. And I mean, and that can go the other way, too. But I think when they're the right kind of guy and they're motivated, like I, I think those are can be powerful kind of variables in, in a team's success. And so when you have one year contract guys, you have guys who are who are trying to prove themselves and who who I mean, a guy in, in Mario and in Rodney Hood who and I think to a certain extent, Kent. Yeah, they're they're guys who are, are, are kind of reclamation projects a little bit. Guys who, you know, maybe maybe got saddled with a with a narrative and, and they're trying to kind of get rid of it. And you know, I, I think that a lot of times those things can be very positive for a team if you're able to to harness those things and and put them in a in a spot where you can use them without being kind of consumed by it, I guess. So I I, I agree. I think that Mario is one of those guys. It, the one thing I would say is that it you got to kind of ease into it a little bit. I do think it's kind of hard to be that first year guy doing that because, you know, you got to you got to get to know the your teammates a little bit. But I, I think generally I, I, I really I, I think it's a, a smart take, Dan. And, and, I, and I've I've agreed for a while that this team has just needed a, a little bit more of an edge. And, and I think, a, you know, a guy like like Hazonia provides a little bit. I think a guy like like uh Bazemore does and I mean Whiteside. Whiteside's a guy who he's a he's a very gregarious and nice guy, but I think on the court, like he that that comes across a different way, more kind of like Nurk is, you know, like uh, where, you know, he's a fun loving guy, but when you get him on the court, like he's he's in your ear and like he's not he's not you say he's not gonna back down, but like that's not really what I'm trying to say. He's not going to he's going to dish it out, you know, and and that's not necessarily super common in the NBA these days because it I don't think it's about necessarily friendships. It's just that that kind of like being a constant pest just hasn't has seemed gone out of favor a little bit. And you still have some of them. I mean Draymond Green and maybe you know one of the bigger trolls in the in the history of the NBA. Yeah, a guy like Pat Beverly, exactly. But you know that it it used to feel like every team had one of those. Now it's it you kind of feels like it's for every that. other team. Exactly. Uh, so, so to get some of that back on this team, I, I, I think is, is helpful for sure. Can you confirm one thing for me? Is CJ still the biggest trash talker on the team? Uh, I don't want to get you in trouble, I, but well, no, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going through the, through the list right now. You gotta uh, see all the new guys, how they do. Yeah. I, I would, I would still say it's, it's probably CJ, uh, Zach, Zach Collins actually is another guy I should mention too, just about. Kind of having that attitude. I oh, mean, I thought you were going to say he's chirping. I was like, that—that's a new development. I mean, exactly. Well, he said he he's does. had moments. He's oh, gotten yeah, teed sure. up for talking. That's that's true. He he did have that one. That's right. Yeah, the the Clay Thompson. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. genius. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite quotes uh, of all time. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I I, I think that uh, CJ probably does still hold uh, the still got the belt. The mantle uh, again. Damien will talk trash too, though, and I mean, and when you're, you know, when you're the best guy on the team, like you, you got a lot of options, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, CJ is the uh, CJ. I, I think is the front runner. I think Gary Trent too, a little bit. Uh, okay. definitely will. Spicy we'll, uh, little dookie. We'll, okay. we'll get a little slick from time to time. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Like it. 
I feel like well, Damien uses his sparingly. Like he doesn't trash talk a whole bunch. It's targeted. He, yeah, he waits to do it. And I feel like between Whiteside and Collins, from what I've observed, um, Whiteside and kind of Nurkic too, they seem more kind of like trolls where they're just going to like pick, 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 pick at you and just try to get you, get under your skin and, you know, kind of like make fun of you, say things to try to knock you off your game. Whereas Collins, he's looking for an excuse to go in there and get his feathers all ruffled and get big. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, totally. Yeah, you're exactly right, Tara. There, there. Yeah, that that's a that's an astute observation about kind of the nature of those players. There's the the guys who it just happens, and the guys that go looking for it. You know, and it and I, I think it it is a different kind of. It's a different kind of mentality, I think. And it's to the Blazers' advantage to help him channel that because sometimes he just gets down on himself and that's when he goes in and he makes the, you know, the dumb fouls or whatever when he's getting down on himself. But when he's like defending someone or he's defending, you know, the the integrity of the Blazers or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, that's when he really shines. And that's sometimes when he's in there with like four or five fouls, some of his best play is when he's got a bunch of fouls and you watch him play the rest of the game in foul trouble but for something some reason he's able to like focus himself a little bit more so i i just want to make sure we give him a little bit of credit too for uh you know being a guy who can um he can get in there and, and be you know be more aggressive like that i also think it's really funny that you two were both talking about like you know, uh, watching a little nasty last night and how like it was kind of fun to see that element, which hasn't really, you know, been on the team. The one play that stood out to me was like the most Mr. Rogers play of the entire game. <laughs> and it was like, so there was this moment where Damien was in and Scal was setting um, a pick for him. And you could see it like develop a mile away and you could see Damien look at Scal and Scal look at Damien like, okay, we're going to do this now. Are you ready? And Damien like pointing exactly where Scal was supposed to be and them just looking at each other and like working that whole play because it's like, you know, when all the other centers are on the bench injured, Damien's got to have somebody in there who can do that. He's got to train some new guys. So that was like the most... um I just called it like the Mr. Rogers moment because it was like, okay, I'm going to show you something and I'm going to show you how to do it. And then we're going to do it together. And then we're both going to have learned how to do it. And then we're, you know, we're going to be good at it. <laughs> and I just think that's funny. That's what I saw when you guys were like enjoying all the nasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think I, I, I can't, I was talking to someone about this a little bit ago. Like Scal is one of those guys where he, he legitimately might actually be too nice. Like he is such a nice person that like I I I wonder if that's gonna hold him back in the NBA because he because there are so many jerks and you almost have to kind of take that on at a certain at a certain point or at least on a certain level. And I'm not saying that like he he's not get fired up on the court. And I, I think I think Scal really has an opportunity to he, he hasn't had an opportunity yet to show what he can do in the NBA. And I think I think he could be a player in this league. But it's it, just a, like you, you don't want to wish a guy it would be meaner because obviously, you know, a, a, what's important is how you are as a human being, at least first and foremost. And I mean, I think Scal Labizier is a, is a wonderful human being, but there's always a part of me that thinks to myself like, man, if, 
Scott was just a little meaner. Like if he was just a little more of a, of a jerk, like what, what difference would it make? Like, would it make a difference in this game? Would it, would it translate to something different on the court? Um, and I hope he gets a chance to, to show people what he can do. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's astute Tara. And that I, I think that, that Damian knows that like, all right, we want to go through these plays and yeah, I want to get some of the work in, at least in terms of, of some of this timing, but I haven't really had a whole lot of opportunity to, and you know, that, particularly with big men and, and, and how attuned they need to be with their point guards when they're playing pick and roll, especially, and, and how good Damian and CJ were, or excuse me, Damian and, and Nurkic were in that pairing with their, their ability in that pick and roll to really kind of know exactly what the other guy's going to do without a look or even with a look. And then to go to a guy with Scal that Damian has probably played less than five minutes with Scal in a game in their entire career, if it's even played it's that much together. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's just that 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 little uh, – I, I think it, it goes to show that, that both guys are trying to get something out of that practice because, you know, Damian knows that he's going to – he might need to to have a, a bit more rhythm with, with Scal. And I think Scal knows that, hey, if, if all these guys are out, you know, maybe this is my opportunity to – to get in there and show what I can do. So I, I, Scala Bizier is another guy too, who I I'm interested in, in seeing this year. And I, I, I mean, gun to my head, I'd say he's probably not going to play a ton, but if for no other reason than, than just pure curiosity, I, I hope he gets an opportunity to, to at least get some consistent playing time. Maybe, I mean, not for the entire season even, but just maybe a stretch where, where maybe a guy's injured or just doesn't have it going. And, no, I'd like to see them try to to get him out there and, you know, see if uh, if he can get anything uh, working in the right direction. Dan, should I tell him my off the wall theory? No, no, no. Uh, go for yeah. it. Go for it. Go for <laughs> All it. Right. Sit down, Casey, because uh, this is what I think possibly could happen. I don't know how likely it is, but I could see a period like you're talking about where Scal gets the Noah Vonley treatment, where he gets six minutes, six minutes. And, you know, to start each, to start each half. And, uh, he gets in there, he gets the intense, the intensity, and then he goes and he sits down and he processes what he learned, just like Noah Vonley used to. But do you think that Stotts might ever try that kind of experience again after, you know, how it went with Noah Vonley? You know, it's possible. The only way that really works though, is as a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. like it, you, well, you have I mean. to, no, no, I, no, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I, it's, it's difficult. I think for a coach to put a guy in a starting lineup and say, you know, we're, we're going to play you six minutes, seven minutes when there's other guys on the team that with Noah, you can make a case that like he should be getting those minutes because he's young and he's talented. With with Scal, I think it's a little tougher unless there's injuries because it's like a, you're playing in front of Hassan, you're playing in front of Zach, you're playing in front of Powell. Like, I, so at that point, it, it I think it's it's just hard to it's hard from a coaching perspective in a locker room. I think sometimes it'd be like we're we're going to experiment like this, but I would love to see it. I mean, I, I think it would be it would be interesting. And and I the one thing I would say about Scal is that I think he's more skilled than Noah was. So like with Noah, it's like he's a ball of energy. You throw him out there, have him crash the glass and, and go as hard as he can for five, 10 minutes and then go Just ahead and, a little and havoc. exactly. Whereas Scala, I feel like he's more of a, 
he's more under control. Exactly. Like he's more of a, he's more of a skilled, I don't like to use word finesse because it has such a negative connotation, but even though it shouldn't, uh, but more of like a, but a guy who, who's more of the, again, just more skilled and, and guys like that. I I don't, I don't view Scal as like an energy guy, you know, like I view him as a, as a, as kind of a plays guy. So I, I I would like to see him get that opportunity. And that Terry Stoss actually talked about today at practice that, you know, he was lamenting the Scal not being able to play in summer league this year because he really felt like, you know, he was maybe on the verge of something. And, and, and he's had a really good week of practice. You know, the two guys that they get mentioned the most in terms of like, who's looked really good have been Gary and Scal, hmm. you know? And, and I think Should that we be worried about that. <laughs> well, no, because I, I, I think in some respects, one, there's been injuries Two, the guys who are younger are, always generally going to going to do more in a training camp practice than guys who have been around for a while. So I, I don't, I wouldn't take that as boy, these other guys have dogged it, but it, I, there's just a different, different level of, of effort and intensity that, you know, guys who are one young and two having to, to, to do everything they possibly can to even have an opportunity to get on the court mm-hmm. in game action. You know, it just, it just plays differently. So I, I, and that's, that's more what I would take from that than like, I mean, I, I think if, you know, <laughs> if you were going to ask Terry, like who's been, who is the best player in training camp, I think it would still pretty much mirror the starting five. But in terms of like, who's, I think that, that who has looked good question is oftentimes it also feels like it's like a, who has looked good in comparison to what you would expect them to look like. So, you know, no one's coming out there and saying like, Dame looks great because it's like, yeah, well, we know. But it's it, so it's the it's the guys who it, it's really more of like a it's comparison the question exactly than yeah. than a straight up like who 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 looks great out there though again I, I though those non contract guys and the young players won I think like eight out of ten games uh, I think on Saturday so it's I, I I wouldn't say it's nothing but I also wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into it I, I want to get back to the basketball stuff real quick I'm I'm sorry I'm going to derail this a little bit Tara because it's something that I, that I I noticed from FanFest and something we've heard from Media Day and we've heard from all the interviews I mean we I tell I wrote about it last night the, the whole idea of the Blazers are going to play faster and every team says this every Media Day I mean it's it's like it's right up there with the, you know the 10 commandments of the, the the 10 commandments of offseason basketball everybody's in the best shape of their life everybody's feeling good and we're going to play faster but one thing I noticed at FanFest is every time there was a damn rebound, there, there wasn't like, let me find the point guard. It was, let me find the first dude with his head going downhill. Is that something that you think it's legitimately going to carry over into the regular season? Man, I, I really hope so because, yeah, I, I've, I've felt that way for a while. That, uh, you know, and, and I think the idea was was sort of that Evan was going to be that guy, and it's just it's just not really kind of his, his brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my my hope is that with a roster that has more more ball handlers on it, that that they will make more of an effort to get out in transition. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to play more possessions or and they're, they're going to be running up and down the court. But I mean, they've talked a lot about a guy like Hazonia really pushing the ball, a guy like Bazemore pushing the ball, whereas you know Alfred Camino. Wasn't going to do that, and if he did, you know, you kind of held your breath a bit. Mo, <laughs> that that's not really Mo's game. Evan would do it sometimes, but Evan is again like not a. He's more of a possession guy. Like he's not he's not looking to get out and really kind of push the ball in transition to to get to the rim. It's more like a. I mean, he walked the ball up a lot too. So if nothing else, I think that 
you have a roster that is more willing to handle the ball and to push the ball up the floor than you had last season. And you would hope that that is going to result in in some opportunities to get out on the break a little bit more. Now, I mean, the other part of that is you have to actually be able to finish on the break, which is something that the Blazers have not been especially great at in the past couple of years. So, you know, if you are going to make a concerted effort to 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 play a little faster, you also need to make sure that you're not making kind of some of the mistakes that you've made in the past and in the break. But I mean, uh, otherwise, thoughts pumps and breaks real quick. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I I, I do. Well, one, I take a step back. Like I had felt like I've heard Terry say that, like, we're going to play faster. You know, I mean, one, because I don't think he got asked because I, I think. The Blazers are kind of a middle of the road pace team mm-hmm. uh, under under Terry Stotts, and I, I don't think that's probably going to change anytime soon. But it, it you know, the personnel is there to to play a quicker brand of basketball. I think they'd be wise to do so. Uh, but you know, as you mentioned, Dan, everyone says they're going to play faster in, in training camp, and whether that that plays out, I think is is yet to be seen. But they absolutely have better personnel to play that way. It's just a matter of of are they going to go that direction. Yeah, the other thing everybody's always going to do is move the ball a lot more. And yeah. you know, <laughs> the Blazers have always finished in the bottom, you know, five for the last several years in just number of assists. And I don't think that's like an indictment on good or bad. It's just not the style they play. And that's kind of fe- that's what sort of transition sort of feels like to me. It's just not the style that they play. But like you said, maybe it's because it's just the, the personnel that they haven't had, have or haven't had. Yeah, I mean it, it's possible, but and, and again, like I don't want to, I don't want to put that all directly on on personnel because I I do think some of that is is scheme and and kind of the way they want to play. But I mean, yeah, I it would seem to me, particularly if you know you've got a team that's a that's a bit undersized in terms of, of defense that you're going to need, you know, if, if you're going to play, you know, all 24 minutes on the shot clock and then you're going back on the other end and you're defending a guy who's a bit bigger than you are and, you know, he, he's pounded in the post or what have you and, you know, you're, you're Rodney Hood who's, you know, having to check one of these guys or, or, or Kent Bazemore or, or Mario Hazonia. I mean, in some respects, it would probably help if you're able to not have to grind it out on the offensive end either if you're, if you're already having to defend guys that are maybe, maybe a bit larger than you are. So I, I think it would... It would be nice to see, but uh, again, like when it comes to to playing faster or passing the ball more, yeah. And Terry's a guy too, where you know, like I'll take I'll take those synergy stats to him from time to time. Be like, man, you know, you guys passing wise are you know about twenty fifth or or whatever in terms of number of passes, and he he pretty much dismisses that stuff pretty quickly. It's like you know the it depends on what kind of pass it is, and just mm-hmm. just passing the ball is not necessarily you know doesn't mean anything. And I I do think that you know being being mindful of that possession is is more important. But I I mean I it, it would help if the team just in general was a bit more diverse offensively, and I think one of the ways to do that is to is to search that ball around a bit. Yeah, I mean one of the things that I say is that we don't want more passing just for the sake of more passing. We want or, you know, or more assists for the sake of more assists. We want more assists because it's helping them win, you know, stand outside, ring the cowbell, (laughs) need more passing, (laughs) but you don't want to do it just for the sake of doing it. You want to do it like with a plan. Um, 
So anyway, guys, it's about time we should start wrapping it up. And usually mm-hmm. I like to spend all my time looking forward. But in this case, I would like to pause for just a minute and ask you, Casey, of all of the guys who left, what are some of the things you're going to miss about them? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to hmm, let's see here. Uh, you already moved on. <laughs> no, it, it's not. I mean, I have, but I, I'm also to the point, too, where, you know, you do this for long enough and. And the the turnover part just becomes kind of second nature, you know, like you just kind of you I wouldn't say you become cold to it, but it's just, you know, it it happens. So, I mean, I being at school and your classmates change. Some totally move away. Some people are seniors and they graduate. It happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm really going to miss Mo uh, on a personal level. Um, A really good guy, a guy who from a personality perspective, I, I kind of see myself in a bit, particularly when I was, when I was around his age, which always feels weird to say when I was around your age, when you're talking <laughs> about adults, but, uh, and a guy who, who, uh, again, like he, he reminds me of myself a little bit, uh, and obviously not, not, not in terms of occupation or, or appearance or whatever, but just kind of the, the way that he carried himself and kind of his, his mood from time to time, like it, it always just, it reminded me a lot of how, how I was when I was in my mid twenties. Um, and most just a really, he's a, he's a great guy and a guy who wants to joke with you and, and poke fun at you and doesn't mind when you poke fun at him. And, you know, he, he's definitely one of those guys where if he's, if he's busting your chops like that, that means that, that he's good with you. And he busted the hell out of my chops a lot last year, particularly, particularly, uh, kind of late last season. Mo and I had a, I, I was really, I, I will miss having Mo around because it, it, he's just a, he's a guy I could really associate with. Uh, chief was always kind of a guy who, who kept you at arm's length with, I, which I appreciate actually. Um, because I, I, I like guys who, who kind of do the job and try to leave the job, at the work and then kind of go on with the rest of their lives. And chief was definitely one of those guys. Um, I just like the, like chief was always that guy with just like a little comment, uh, that would always, you know, bust you up uh, a guy who I, I think people know that chief was a funny guy, but like, I don't know if people realize how much of kind of a character and a cut up he was on the team. Uh, and that's always something you miss. And, and, and again, to a guy who would like a, you know, that, that zone six Atlanta kind of, personality that that kind of low-key way that the chief carried himself i always seemed so cool to me it's like if i if i could if i was going to be an athlete like that's the kind of athlete i would want to be to where like i i i enjoyed the job but it didn't consume me you know and i felt like that's that's always kind of my takeaway with with al farouk myers i'm just going to miss because i've known him for so long and you know we've gotten to know each other you know just on a personal level uh you know myers is a guy who i i i'm I was happy for Myers getting traded because I really felt feel like, you know, now he's got an opportunity to not so much start again, but just to, to get a little something going. Exactly. And, and I mean, I, and Myers was, was hurt by it. And, you know, I I think that, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, he was hoping that he could stick around now that it seemed like things were kind of moving in the right direction. But, you know, I, I I think that it's better for everyone involved. And I, I just, you know, I, I'd gotten to the point with Myers where I felt like, you couldn't even say something nice about him without people jumping down your throat about it. So, and I, and again, like, I don't, I don't mind any of that. Like the whole, like, be nice to Meyer stuff, like whatever. Like, I mean, you don't need to, but it just on, on a personal level, it would make it hard to, 
you know, it, it's sometimes hard to feel good for about about something a guy was doing because, you know, you mention it. And then again, you got a bunch of people telling me telling you how, how terrible he is. So I, I was really more happy for Myers than anything else, because I think, uh, you know, end of the day, it's going to be best for him. And Evan, you know, you miss Evan because Evan's just Evan Turner, like a guy who who really treats everyone working around the organization the same. You know, like Evan is a guy who, you know, he would he would treat you not like a player, but just like another person on the team, you know, like, and, and a guy who uh, a pros pro in, in terms of, of knowing the things you're supposed to do for the people around you when you're in the position that he was in. And, you know, there's plenty of guys who, who don't, I think, realize that, that there is a, in some respects, a responsibility when you, when you get that contract to, to really kind of do right by other people in the organization. And Evan is, is a, guy who definitely did not have to be reminded of that. He he knew that from the jump and and acted that way. And again, a guy that, you know, I think kept the team together behind the scenes a lot more than than people might realize. Um you know, and and I so I'm going to miss Evan for that. Just and just a guy too where like he was a guy for for someone like myself who enjoys doing things outside of basketball as well. Like Evan was always a guy who wanted photos, like he would pose, like he he would really it was stuff that he wanted to do as well. And, and it was always fun for me because like, you know, that Evan's going to come out wearing something crazy. He's, he's going to give you face, you know, like he's not gonna, he, he's, he's not gonna, gonna try to duck you or anything like that. He's just gonna, he's gonna, gonna do something wacky. And it's, it's just fun to have people like that around, particularly, you know, the NBA season is so long, you got to keep it light. And Evan is a guy who knows when to be business and knows when to have some fun and and better than most. So that that's definitely something I'll I'll miss for Evan as well. And I'll miss Jake too, just because I, <laughs> I I just Jake is one of those guys where like quiet, uh, but a, a guy who who would definitely joke with you. And you know I I think uh, he's another guy who like Myers. Where like I I'm I'm glad for him because I think he's going to get an opportunity and have some some chances to to really show what he can do in the NBA that, that he probably wasn't going to get here in Portland. Jake always seemed to me like, um, like everybody's friend, like everybody's friend group has a Jake and that's his role is to be Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. And I think in some, in some respects, you know, you, that might hold you back a little bit at some time. So I, I think towards the end, Jake was, I think Jake wanted to play more, you know, like he, he went out and he had some success and, you know, when people are healthy, you just want to get those opportunities. And so I think for him, it was like, man, I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm being a good teammate. I'm playing. And it's just not not coming together for me. So I think in some sometimes it's like you almost you, you can almost be too nice or, or feel like. If I'm doing the things that you're asking me to do and then I'm not getting kind of the benefits of those things, why am I why am I doing those things? So. Um, you know, I, I was glad for Jake because I, I, I knew that he was going to get a more of an opportunity with the Timberwolves and he was going to get here in Portland. I think that that became pretty obvious last season. And I was also happy too, that, that the team did right by him. I mean, I, I think that, you know, by doing that trade and, and having, I believe it was, I believe technically it was sign and trade, I, I think, um, getting him probably a bit more money than I, than I believe the Timberwolves could have offered him just straight up. So uh, one of those things where I, I think the team was like, Hey Jake, you did right by us. Didn't work out maybe the way you would have wanted to, but you know, we, we, we recognize that. And now we're going to try, try to do right by you. Shout out Mark Bartlestein. Hey, Bartlestein, get that, get that money. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, with that, I think we probably should wind it up. Dan, you got any other last questions you want to ask Casey for now? No, I'll, I'll pepper him. Uh, pepper him tomorrow night. Oh, more flexing. <laughs> that one. Flexing that one was a hundred percent for you. That was a hundred percent for you. Although yeah. I, I, I say that, and Thanks I still so haven't. I still haven't confirmed my my credential from tomorrow night. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Casey, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to check in with you later on as the season is uh, going and find out like what the as the personalities of the new players emerge, find out a little bit more about what they're like and also discover what kind of basketball the team is actually playing. Looking forward to talking about that, too. Um, Why don't you tell people where they can find your work? Uh, You can find my work at NBA.com slash trailblazers slash forward center um or just tra- actually just troublish.com yeah it, it'll it'll show up eventually it's always- You'll, it, it'll be there somewhere <laughs> troublish.com if you want to follow me on twitter i wouldn't necessarily recommend it but i am on twitter at Seahold. uh i am on instagram and i would recommend following me on instagram and it's just casey holdall c-a-s-e-y-h-o-l-d-a-h-l all right well, and you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can follow, Bla- follow Blazers Edge on Twitter at Blazers Edge. If you like the podcast, go ahead and go and subscribe to the podcast. You'll get two podcasts a week, the weekly podcast that comes out on. We're going to do Mondays and or Tuesdays. Now that the season is upon us and Danny is doing the post-game shows, it's not always going to be possible for us to put out a Sunday night podcast. So it'll be kind of game dependent. But anyway, you should definitely subscribe if you want to hear what's going on and go ahead and give us all the stars that you can give us. We super appreciate that. It makes it easier for people to find us. And you can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. If you missed it, the last episode, we got to talk to Tamika Simons. It was awesome listening to how she and the family uh, adapted to having Anthony in the NBA. Definitely go ahead and listen to that. And Dan, why don't you take us out of here? All right, folks, as always, you can find me on all social media at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. And as Tara said, Joe and I will have the Blazers Outsiders post-game show all season long on NBC Sports Northwest. Make sure you tune in for that. Uh, It's officially official because the ink's dry, uh, but look for the press release sometime this week to make it uh, Twitter official, I guess. Uh, Casey, thanks again for hopping on, man. We really appreciate you. We'll definitely check in with you this season. For Tara, for Casey, for everybody else, thanks for joining us. Take care, everybody. And by the time we do this next week, it'll be a week from Blazers basketball in the regular season. So we'll catch you then. Bye.